What's up, YouTube family? Welcome to the Link Up Church online experience. We're so glad you've chosen to tune in. Before we jump into today's video, we wanna remind you that this channel isn't just for adults. We have content for babies in the Little Linkland section, kids in the Linked Up Kids section, and relevant services for your teenagers from the plug. So grab the whole family because we're about to get started. Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss a video from us. And don't forget to share this video with someone who needs to hear an encouraging message. Let's jump in. We're going to pick up right now uh, on with Faith Lives. We've been in this for several weeks now. And just to help the media department out, I'm only going to read the introductory statement. Then I'm going to read our foundation text. And then we're just going to pick up where we left off at. And so in our introductory statement, we said that a true living faith is an active relationship with God. It's not really about what I do or steps that I take. It's about a relationship that I build. So a true living faith is an active relationship with God that governs at all times what we are and what we do. So when we're talking about faith lives, we're talking about faith is a lifestyle, not something you do when you get in trouble. Mm. Faith is not merely hey, a I belief. Think, I think you should say that again. Faith is a lifestyle, not something that you run to when you get in trouble. Mm, that's good. Right? That's and, good. And so faith is not merely a belief in theological facts, right, as we stated, steps. Faith is belief in a person and what he has provided for us, and that person is Jesus Christ, what he's provided for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. If we'll respond with our faith to everything that his grace has provided for us through that act, we'll find that everything that we will ever need in this life and the next has already been provided for us. The grace of God that brings salvation, listen very carefully, will always produce a right behavior on our behalf. Now, we know that there's four times as mentioned in Scripture that the just shall live by faith. So, God prophesied or declared it in the Old Testament, said it uh, in Romans, Galatians, and Hebrews in the New Testament, Let's read Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. We'll just look at one because it's our foundation text. Romans 1, 16 says, For I am not ashamed. That means I feel no shame of the gospel. The gospel is the good message, and then it tells you what that good message should be about. It is a good message about Christ. So if Christ is not in it, it's not the gospel. If you're not right. preaching Christ, then you're not preaching the gospel. It should be more preaching about Christ and less about us and our testimonies. Christ is the gospel, and the Scripture will bear me out. It says, for it is the power. Christ is the power, the miraculous ability of God to salvation. So, we know then the message about Christ is what provides salvation or soteria for us. It rescues, delivers, it provides safety, health, and wholeness for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and then also to the Greek. Verse 17 says, for in it, in what? In the message about Christ, in the gospel, in the good news about Jesus Christ, for in it, in verse 17, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. For as it is written, the just, those that have been declared innocent or righteous, shall live or have a lifestyle of trusting God, relying upon God, believing God, being fully persuaded that He has already provided everything that we need. 
Now, we're talking about seven truths right now. The first one that we talked about, sin is not the problem. We won't go back over any of these. You've got several weeks of previous notes to go back and look at this to get caught up. But sin is not the problem, not from the perspective that it should make you comfortable in terms of how you're living. Sin is not the problem because it's already been dealt with over 2,000 years ago. It has no more power and no more ability to force you or make you do things you don't want to do. We're going to pick up today with point number two, and it is grace does not give us a license to sin. Grace does not give us a license to sin. You know, if you really look at the world, if you really look at a lot of things, people don't really need a license to sin. They do that without a license. It's really training ourselves to think differently that allows us to walk in the freedom that Christ provided for us uh, through His death, burial, and resurrection. Let's pick up in Titus chapter 2. We're going to begin at verse 11, and I'm reading out of the Amplified Classic. All right, if you'll read all of the verses leading up to that, it's really talking about duties within the church. The elder men should be teaching and training the younger men. The elder women should be teaching and training the younger women. I think we need to get back to that in church. We need more mothers in the church. I'm glad we have them here at Linked Up Church, but we really need to be intentional about giving them a platform to train younger women. Same thing with older men where younger men are concerned. But let's pick it up in verse 11. Titus chapter 2, verse 11, Amplified Classic. We're talking about grace does not give us a license to sin. We're going to prove that today. Verse 11 says, for the grace of God. The Amplified Classic defines that as His unmerited favor and blessing. God loved you so much that he decided to send his only begotten son to die for your sins, a horrible death. And through that death, burial, and resurrection, he favored you and put unlimited blessings on your life. That's right. I don't know about you, but that is such good news to me. And there's nothing I did to earn that. All I've got to do is believe that. All I've got to do is put my faith and my trust in that. For the grace of God, his unmerited favor and blessing has come forward. Amplified Classic defines that as has appeared for the deliverance from sin and the eternal salvation for all mankind. So, according to verse 11 then, grace is a person, and His name is Jesus Christ. Let's read that real slow. For the grace of God, His unmerited favor and blessing has come forward or it has appeared. For the deliverance from sin. Notice, for the deliverance from sin. The only person I know that's ever done that is a person named Jesus Christ. That's right. right. So, notice, if you read that carefully, it's past tense. He has delivered us from sin. Somebody needs to declare that. I am delivered from sin. That's right. I I don't struggle with sin. sin. I'm delivered from sin. That's right. It's a mindset, right? It's a, it's a belief. I have to put my faith in the fact that God, through Jesus Christ, by His grace, has delivered me from sin. That's right. That's a wonderful thing to believe in. We want to believe for cars. We want to believe for houses. But why not believe that God's grace has delivered you from sin? That's right. Right? It's a powerful thing to believe in. And the eternal salvation for all mankind. 
So if we understand this, then sin is the only thing that keeps us out of our eternal reward. So what he's simply saying here is that he's already provided everything that, we've need, that we will need to secure our eternal salvation. If he's delivered us from sin, we believe in Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, then notice all of eternity has been secured for every human being that will ever live on the face of the earth. That's right. So I don't know what you're going through or what you're dealing with right now, but the solution has already been provided. Yep. Sin is what slows us down. That's right. And he delivered us from that. Right? Eternity should be what we're living on earth for. That's right. That is the ultimate reward. That's right. Not a big house. <laughs> Not my dream car. Not a marriage. Not get married. Although all of those things are nice and God wants those for us, but they don't take priority over being delivered from sin. I don't know about you. I remember when sin controlled my life. It's a beautiful thing to know that it has no longer has any power over my life. Amen. That's a blessing to me to know that I'm not, I, I didn't even think about it. I just got up to figure out what to do wrong. Anybody else in here know what I'm talking about? <laughs> And then I want to top that the next weekend. Yeah. Why are you all looking at me like that in this room, right? Let's keep reading here. It has trained. What has trained? I would always ask myself the question, what has trained? So notice then the grace of God is what trains us That's to right. behave a certain way, not sin. That's right. That's right. The grace of God trains us. Now, when I think about training, I think about, by definition, train simply means to develop or form the habits, thoughts, or behavior, listen to this, by discipline or instruction. So when I think about training, I play sports my entire life, I think about repetition. I think about doing something over and over and over again until it becomes instinctive. Muscle memory. It's called muscle memory. See, a lot of us don't know what we believe until pressure comes. That's right. And what my coach used to always tell me, you can always tell a person's training and preparation when pressure appears. Because whoever they are is going to show up in that moment. And what we want to be able to do is develop natural instincts that when death, when sickness or disease show up, all of our training says that did not come from God. And then all of a sudden, we have something to refer back to. 1 Peter 2.24 says that by his stripes, I am healed. That's right. That should be instinctive to us. And the grace of God, the goodness of God trains us that way. I want to spend more time thinking about how good God is, how good he's been to me, and less time about what I've done wrong and what other people have done wrong to me. Amen. Another way to illustrate this is in a marriage. Oh, Lord, what you no. about to say? <laughs> I just want to make sure it's clear. My wife, if she just, what she does, if she just focuses on being good to me and being a good wife, that's going to have an impact in my heart, and it really does. So, how many of you know thoughts go through our, our mind? Come on, fellas, don't leave me out here by myself. Oh, it's all kind of temptations and stuff out there every day. But when I stop and I think about how good my wife is, how I many you know that trains me to not want to do anything to hurt her? That's good. That's good. Right? And literally, I stop and I think about 
man, this woman has been good to me for 26 years of friendship, 23 years of marriage. Why would I do something stupid like that to mess this up? And why would I let 30, 15 minutes destroy 26 beautiful years? So believe it or not, it's the goodness of my wife that's keeping me. Everybody clear on that? If it was just all about thou shalt not commit adultery, I couldn't hold true to that. If all I tried to do was obey that, I would fail. So I don't even focus on that. I focus on how good my wife is to me, right? And I allow that to train my thinking so that when I'm not uh, with her, instinctively I still want to honor her. I need a little better amen in this place today, right? And so that's all God is talking about. When we think about how good he's been to us and all that he's provided for us, when we think about eternal salvation, we think about being delivered from sin, we think about being delivered from hell, we think about having all of our needs met, spirit, soul, and body. I mean, that should train us to not want to do anything to hurt him. That's right. That's right. Let's keep reading here. So the grace of God has trained us to develop or form the habits by definition to reject and renounce. Renounce means to disown or make a declaration, which I'm going to challenge you at the end of this portion of the message. All ungodliness and worldly passionate desires, the King James Version or New King James Version defines that as worldly lust, which is simply an inordinate desire towards what's forbidden. So if you'll notice, the grace of God will teach us and train us to disown and make a declaration that anything that did not come from God, I don't want no parts of that. And it'll literally, when these inordinate desires, because we all have them and we deal with them every single day of our lives. Oh, Lord. That's right. That's right. I said we all have them and we deal with them every single day of our lives. Multiple times throughout the course of the day. Yep, that's true. Hello. Right? But when we replace that inordinate desire towards what's forbidden with the thought that my God has supplied all of my needs according to his riches and glory, now I don't have to go try to get my needs met the wrong way. I can trust that God has already provided that for me. That's right. I'm going real slow today on purpose. It says here, it has trained us to live discreet, temperate, self-controlled, upright, devout, spiritually whole lives in this present world, awaiting and looking for the fulfillment, the realization of our blessed hope, which is the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, even the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the Anointed One, verse 14, who gave himself on our behalf that he might redeem, which means purchase our freedom from all iniquity. That word iniquity means wickedness. And purify for himself a sinful people to call his own. No. Is that what it says? No. No. Anybody following today? No. Is that what it says? That is not what it says. What does it say there? In the room. <laughs> and purify for himself a people to be particularly his own, people who are eager and enthusiastic. 
about living a life that is good and filled with beneficial deeds. So the way we know we are on his team is we are enthusiastic about living right. Right. Not living wrong. That's right. Everybody clear on that? That's right. Literally says here he wants to purify for himself a people to be peculiarly, peculiarly unique here or his own. But this word peculiar means, when I looked this up, this was interesting, beyond usual. Mm-hmm. There should be a difference between us and the world. That's right. That's People right. should look at us and say, it's something unique about you. Yes. Something different about you. You are peculiar. It literally means here a special one. See, God wants to set us apart and show the world how he treats his unique, special, called-out, chosen children. And he really wants our lives to be such an example to the world that the world comes to us and they say, there's just something different about you. And the way they really notice that and they see it is because of our eager, as my wife just read, eager desire and enthusiastic ability to live a life that is good and filled with beneficial deeds. Verse 15, tell them all these things, urge, advise, encourage, warn, and rebuke with full authority. Let no one despise or disregard or think little of you. Conduct yourself and your teachings so as to command respect. That's and good. so when you live a life that's pleasing to God, how I many know your life will command respect from the people that, that watch you? They may not like you, and they'll have a whole lot of things to say about you, but at the end of the day, they have to respect you. I've learned a long time ago, if you don't learn how to divorce yourself from the opinions of other people, you will never accomplish anything in this life. Opinions are like butts, and everybody has them. But it don't mean that everybody needs to see them. Exactly, right? (laughs) And so if you don't understand, if you don't learn how to master this, let your life defend who you are. Don't try to defend who you are based off of everything that someone has to say about you. My pastor, Frederick Casey Price, said something to me that was powerful. He said, Joel, I've never in my 50 years of ministry had anyone above me have anything negative to say about me. He said, the only people that have ever had anything negative to say about me are the people below me. Because their only purpose is to try to bring me down to where they are. People who are over you don't have time for that. People who have accomplished more for you, that's how they got there. They didn't get there talking about other people. They got there focused on what God called them to do. Divorce yourself from the opinions of other people. I want to challenge you. That verse said there uh, in verse 12 that it literally, the grace of God trains us to reject and to renounce all ungodliness. I want to challenge you to disown and make a declaration today about one area of your life. You don't have to try to get rid of all of it today, but all of us have something in our lives that we know is not pleasing to God. So I want to challenge you to disown and make a declaration about one area of your life, and I want you to declare, as of today, I'm done with that. I'm done with it. I'm done with that. God has been too good to me for me to continue living that way. Somebody ought to make that declaration. Somebody ought to renounce something in their lives right now and simply declare that I am done with that. God has been too good to me for me to continue living that way.
And you know what's interesting is when we declare and we strive towards being done with that thing that's contrary to who we are in righteousness and justification, it's amazing how the opinions of other people don't matter. Yeah, that's true. Because we are learning more and more of how to love ourselves. So when that rejection happens, when those words happen, those hurtful words happen, when uh, things happen, it doesn't scar us to the depth that it might have once did because we're not focused on that anymore. Amen. Now, to continue on with what you said as point two, grace does not give us a license to sin. Turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter five. And I want to take my time with this because this is filled. This is, I mean, this is a balloon full of information, um, even though it doesn't sound like it. you got to dig a little deeper. And so in Romans chapter 5, I'll be reading from the New King James, and I'm going to end with the Passion, the passion Version. But starting at verse 1, it says, Therefore, therefore, in other words, it's been established, having been justified by faith, we have peace. Now, the literal Greek says, let us declare peace. So he's saying here, we've been justified. We've been made right, declared innocent. I don't care what you did. I don't even care if you're resting in prison right now. It doesn't matter if you're on probation, whatever the case may be. If you're in Christ Jesus, he's made you right. He's made you innocent. He's declared you his own Mm -hmm. by your faith. In other words, according to what you have believed and received and internalized according to who he is and his word, we have peace. Now, this word peace is the Greek word irene, which means to be prosperous, to be at one, a quietness, a rest, to set at one again, it says here. Now, he says that let us declare that we have peace with God. Saying this reminds us that we can be justified and pardoned, but not have peace. Now, let me give you an example of something. That's good. That's good. Back in the 90s, there was a very famous case that evolved. It was a football player that was accused of killing his soon-to-be ex-wife and boyfriend. And some of us saw on the news the slowest police chase ever. <laughs> a case came about. The case went on for a long time. The end of that case, this man was declared innocent. Okay? He was justified. They said, okay, you, you remember the phrase, some of you who date back that fair, if it doesn't fit, you must acquit. And they did. But check this out. When God said, I'm talking about verse 1, be at peace with God. See, when he says be at peace with God, he says not only have you been justified, but you are now mine again. And in that case, he was justified, but that family didn't want nothing to do with them. And they shared blood. There was children involved. The family did not restore them back to a relationship again. Because even though the system declared him innocent, the family still had ought against him. And God... When we've been justified, not only have we been justified, but he says, but now you have peace with me. That's good. I called you back to be my own. We're set at one again. And not only that, he goes on to say that with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, there's only one way to that peace, and that is through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, through whom we have access. 
Access here meaning permission to enter, to gain, uh, to gain entry, an invitation within reach, permission or to enter or obtain. We now have access. Access to what? By faith into his grace. See, the grace is already there. Yeah. You've already gotten more than you've deserved or earned. That's right. Understand, you deserve and earn hell. That's right. Death. That's right. Separation. That's right. But the fact that we can call Jesus our own and enter boldly into the throne room of grace yeah. by our faith. So my husband is standing over there. He's there. He's with me. But when I activate my faith, I can reach out my hand and touch him and hold his hand. Yeah. I have access to him. You have access to God's grace, and his grace is abundant. Yes. He's not withholding anything Nothing. from you. Nothing. He says the only way you can access this grace, so much more, all the blessings, healing, peace, deliverance, wisdom, is by your faith. Who do you believe in and what do you believe? Because where you are in life today is a result of what you believe. Right. About God and yourself. Yeah. That's right. That's good. And so then he said, he goes on to say here, by faith and to his grace, this is powerful, in which we stand. Ooh. See, when you receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, not just to pass hell and go to heaven, but I'm talking about Lord, where my heart, as Pastor Gregor just talked about, is inclined to love him to walk in godliness, to please him. We stand in grace. Yeah. We stand in the blessing. Yeah. We habitate in this thing called prosperity in all things, peace of mind, provision, healing, divine health. We habitate, we live, we stand in that. And you can stand in something and not know you can take advantage of it. Mm, that's, good. that's good. We stand in this grace but we still have to activate our faith to get it. Yeah. And then we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And there he's talking about how we have joy. We are rejoicing. We are glad, literally. We are relieved that we can always live in an anticipation of God's goodness to show up. That's right. We can live in an anticipation of God's goodness to show up anywhere. And he goes on to say, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. What? What? He says, we glory. We rejoice. We are, you know what? We, we realize that when pressure comes, yeah. we have the right to still be glad. Yeah. Because we can count more than not how good he's been in the past. Yeah. So therefore, those are our building blocks to have an anticipation of how he's going to show up, especially when pressure comes. Yeah. So pressure here, I mean, uh, tribulations here being pressure, listen to this, affliction, Anguish, yeah. distress, yeah. burden, persecution, trouble. Mm -hmm. We're in a season that it looks like there's a whole lot of that going on right now. Yeah. But if you're in Christ Jesus, you can rejoice. Yeah. See, you're not pressed about what you see, what you hear. That's right. You're not pressed about the, the political climate. Yeah. You're not pressed because you know you serve the King of kings yeah. and the Lord of lords. Yeah. Now, of course, you're, you want to pray through it, yeah. and you want to do and take and do what you're supposed to do and be responsible, but you're not pressed by that. Right. Why? Knowing that tribulation, this pressure, produces perseverance. Uh -huh. yeah. 
This thing makes me stronger. It doesn't make me weaker. It's not taking me out. It's building me up because I trust in the faithfulness of God. And perseverance, this endurance builds character. It sustains, it roots me further and deeper into who God made me to be. I decrease watching him increase in me. And that character now builds hope. See, when you're in Christ Jesus, you can't be hopeless. That's right. You can't be hopeless. That's right. Why? He says, now hope does not disappoint. Never. It does not disappoint because the love of God is, has been poured and made evident out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. In other words, God gave us the Holy Spirit. He just said, here's a little bit and take it back. Here's a little bit of take. No, Holy Spirit lives inside of you. First Corinthians chapter 6 tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. If God is living on the inside of us, we do not have permission to doubt. We do not have permission to live in fear. We do not have permission to be dissuaded from who he is. That's right. That's right. Your flesh might want to take you somewhere, but see, Holy Spirit is an anchor that snatches you right back. That's right. Why? Because he says the love of God has been poured out in our hearts. Mm. When you live a life of thankfulness, yeah. you understand and you're confident in how much our God loves us. That's so good. So it's more than just a song. Are you saying then he loves us too much, right? That hope won't disappoint because he loves us too much. He loves us too much to leave us in a place of despair where his glory hasn't appeared. And let me say this to you, even in the face of death. So good. Death is just a doorway to your faithful lover, as a song says. Yeah. Not the final. Yep. Amen. Mm-hmm. So now, so good. Romans chapter 5, verse 6, it says, For when we were still without strength, Indeed. when we were weak, yeah. when we were unable, when we were feeble, literally in the Greek it means when we were without spiritual knowledge and power. Mm-hmm. When we were without spiritual knowledge and power in due time, yeah. in the fullness of time, God died for the ungodly. He didn't die for the religious. He didn't even die for his own people. It said he died for the ungodly. And due time meaning that means that there was a whole lot of ungodliness going around. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his love, his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Think about that for a moment. Jesus died for you when you were cutting up and acting a fool. Where you were lusting and drinking, smoking and fighting, dealing and stealing, he still died for you. Some of you have homeboys and homegirls that you claim that's down for you, down for you through whatever. But they're not going to die for you while you're in your mess. They got, they're not going to die for you when they're thinking you did something to backstab them. That's good. They're not going to put their name. Some of them won't even speak up for you if you need a witness to defend you. That's right. But it says here, but yet while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But God demonstrated, but in the verse 9, much more than having now been justified, there's that word again, being made innocent by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, 
much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So if God was willing to die for us while we were yet sinners, and now we've been reconciled, how much more is he willing to give and do what needs to be done to make sure that you're living in his glory? Yeah, yeah. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation, yeah. atonement. Yeah. So not only did he justify us, but he then paid our sins. Yeah. And in paying for our sins, it meant his death, burial, resurrection. It meant he exchanged our bad for, for his good. Yeah. He exchanged our death for our eternity. He exchanged for his eternity. He exchanged our dirt for his cleansing. Yeah. Now, I wrote this down here reading a commentary, and I thought this is so worthy to be said. This is in stark contrast with man's plan of salvation in which he seeks to mingle his righteousness with that of God. We see in various religiously biased so-called Christianity, which simply denies the power of death, of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ by insisting that certain Levitical laws, rules, rituals, and tra traditions are observed. And you all know who I'm talking about. The error of the self-righteous, according to Romans chapter 10, verse 3, is that man seeks the righteousness of his own because he will not submit to be saved by the righteousness of God. And, and that means, saying that means Jesus didn't do enough. I still got to do a little bit more. As man fell by seeking his own God, he also remains fallen by seeking to be his own Savior. As he once refused to be entirely ruled by God, so he now refuses to be entirely saved by God. This is a most subtle and dangerous error that's rampant in society at large, even in the body of Christ. You don't have all the answers, and you cannot guarantee. You don't have a heaven and a hell to put yourself in. But there's a righteous Savior who has justified you and made you righteous, paid your price so that you can stand in the grace, the blessings, and all the promises of God. And all you have to do is access it by your faith. Yeah. Your gra that grace does not give you freedom to sin. No. That grace gives you access to glorify Him. Yeah, Amen. That's so good. Now, we're going to go ahead and close right here. Um, but what you just said is so powerful. And I want, I want you to listen carefully. I won't do anything to dishonor where I came from because we all are products of our environment. And the reality is there's more good that we all learn from wherever we came from than bad. And we all should thank God for our forefathers and those that went before us. Come on, somebody. Those that paved the way and, and provided an opportunity for us to be who we are today. I want to be real clear. None of us got here by ourselves. That's right. We got here because of the prayers, the sacrifice, the preaching. Come on, somebody. And, and we have fun about Baptists and other denominations and all of that stuff. But the reality is we are building and laying on the foundation that they laid for us. We go from glory to glory. We go from glory to glory. So what I'm getting ready to say, please don't take this out of context. The challenge is, and what you just so eloquently described, is that a lot of our faith teaching came out of the Old Testament. Mm. And what we didn't understand was Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the Old Testament. And so a lot of times we took that and we said, because Jesus said it, but if we don't understand the dispensation he was saying it in, then we will think it's still for this dispensation. And it isn't. 
And so he was saying things because he was still on the earth. Remember, he didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill it. And so a lot of what he was teaching his disciples and other people was because he had not yet gone to the cross, he had not died, and he had not yet been resurrected. So he was teaching them in the dispensation that they were living in. But folks, the New Testament, you won't see any of that from the book of Romans through the book of Jude. Everything from Romans to Jude is looking back at a finished work. So we're not trying to get him to do anything. We're responding to what he's already done. That's right. It's no different than Isaiah looking to the cross. Isaiah says, by his stripes, we what? I am here. I am here, right? Peter looking back at the cross. Actually, am I saying that yep, actually? Say Isaiah right. looking to the cross was I talking about healed. our healing in the future. I am healed. But Peter he, looking back at the cross. We were healed. We were healed, past tense. And everything from Romans on is what you describe. We have to stand in that grace. And our faith responds to what Christ has already provided for us through, our death, through his death, burial, and resurrection. So don't anybody treat that the wrong way. I honor where I came from. Thank you to every teacher, pastor, apostle, prophet, evangelist that spoke the word of life into me because it helped me and it built the foundation for me to actually get to where I'm at right now. So I'm not dishonoring it at all. I'm not dishonoring any of the faith teachers of the past. But I mean, you know, if revelation died with them, then we are all in trouble. That's right. That's right. If they learned everything and it went into the grave with them, then we are all in trouble. The truth is, revelation is progressive. That's right. And, and as long as we're seeking, we are uncovering new truths about the goodness of God. That's right. And I'm hearing this right now in the Spirit. Well, what about when Jesus said, I could pray in, in Mark 11, 23 and 24? What about this? What about this? Let's understand this. I heard Jesse DePlantis say this one time, and it blessed my soul. And then later on, I heard him say it first, and then later on when when um, Kenneth Hagin Sr. was still on the earth, I heard him say it. There's, there's a, what was I about to say? There's statements of truth, and there are true statements. The Bible is filled with both. Right. There are true statements, and Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is filled with true statements. True statements that satisfies, addresses, and fulfills the Old Testament. But, the, the, the old, but Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is still filled with statements of truth, statements of truth that still point to the New Testament. One of those is when he was, he's having the sacrament, when he's having the Last Supper. He's speaking to what's to come. Right. Those were statements of truth, statements of truth past time, That's right. whereas true statements stand still in time. Amen. That's so good. All right. And so God is good. Let's all just kind of lift our hands wherever you're at right now. Let's just lift our hands and let's just begin to worship the Father right now. Let's thank Him for His abundant grace. And may we never call good evil or evil good. That's right. But may we declare that His grace is so good that it would never lead us to sin. Father, Your grace is so good that it actually leads us right out of sin. And it has delivered us from sin. And so, Father, we honor you today. We worship you today. We glorify you today. Father, we declare that you are too good yes, to continue yes. living in ways that do not bring honor and glory to your name. 
Thank you for your goodness that you've shown us through the death, burial, and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ. And may we live out the rest of our lives on earth honoring what was provided for us through it, through that, and walking in all the fullness of everything that it provided for us. Now, if you're out there today, I just want you to look at me right now. Remember, everything that we read today, God loves you right where you are. God's not waiting on you to get your life together. God sent His Son to die on your behalf and, and be raised from the grave to help you get your life together. And it would warm his heart today if you made a quality decision to respond to his grace by faith and receive the salvation that he's provided for you and the eternal life that he so desires to give you. God loves you so much. He wants to bless your life so much. There's so much good waiting on you today if you'll just go ahead and respond to what He's already provided for you. So if you're out there, you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You don't have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I want to lead you in a short prayer today, and I want to welcome you into the body of Christ and the family of God. Maybe you're out there watching today and you're saying, Pastor, I'm saved, but I know my life is not in agreement with what the Scriptures talk about. I know I need to really get back right with God. God doesn't need to get back right with me. God's right with me. I need to get back right with God. If that's you today, you're just saying, you know what? I'm tired of living this way. I renounce this lifestyle. I declare that this part of my life is over. I want to rededicate my life back to Christ. If that's you today, I want to lead you in a short prayer uh, right now. So if you would, if any one of those two invitations identify your heart, would you just lift one hand right where you're at right now? And I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that He died, rose from the grave, and He is alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. As a result of what I've confessed with my mouth, and what I believe in my heart, I am right now born again and in right standing with God. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you for new members into your family today. Yes. But I want you to do something for me. I believe it would warm God's heart. And it certainly would warm our hearts, too, if you would just go ahead and take the next step by following the information that's on your screen right now. Uh, if you're just watching online and you're not sure what to do, just type in, I prayed that prayer sincerely from my heart. We have a, mini a social ministry team here that will follow up with you and minister to you and meet whatever need that you may have. We both believe that people came into the kingdom today, and we have more brothers and sisters today as a result of you watching this service, and we're so glad to have you. We love you. We can't wait to meet or see you in person one day, yes. but welcome to the family of God. Yes. So glad to have you. Thank you so much for watching our online service. We certainly don't take that for granted. And if you enjoyed today's message and you want to get connected with us, we encourage you to become a part of our online community. That's right. And you can do that by subscribing to our YouTube channel, sharing this video with a friend, and following us on social media. Don't forget to meet us right here on this channel every Sunday for our services. 
Do you desire to help us reach more people just like yourself and advance the kingdom of God? Then click the Give button now. This will allow us to connect more people to God, their families, their purpose, and their communities. Thank you again for watching our service on today, and we'll, we'll see, see you next week. week.